But you see, there's just one thing. We never, ever do nothing nice and easy. We always do it nice and rough. But we're going to take the beginning of this pod and do it easy. That's the way we do. Their eyes were watching TV. This is Mel. <laughs> oh, oh, Tina. <laughs> oh, and this is uh, Cam's rolling on down that river. <laughs> and this is Their Eyes Were Watching TV, a TV and film podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about uh, Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton series on Netflix. So to get started with some news, of course, we have to talk about the legendary Tina Turner passing away at the age of 83 last week. Uh, I don't know about you, but I was pretty messed up for a few days about that. Uh, I was shocked because I, I hadn't heard that she had been sick or, you know, last I heard Tina Turner was alive and thriving somewhere in the UK. Yeah, well, Switzerland? Oh, sure. <laughs> in the uh, <laughs> EU, same thing. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, like, I watched that, like, Tina documentary that was on HBO, uh, I guess, like, a year or two ago. Uh -huh. um, and, yeah, like, I, you know, I thought, I knew she had had some health issues um, in a few years prior, but I thought she was doing better. Um, I hadn't heard about her being sick, so definitely... Like, it was like, as soon as I opened Instagram, it was like the official announcement from her, like, Tina Turner IG page and my heart just like, I still like kept rereading it because I was like, no, like, this is, maybe it's her birthday. Like, this, I'm not reading this right. So for me, like, there's like a few like old school icons who I really look up to. And she was pretty much in the top two for me, like alongside Audrey Hepburn. And she was actually like my first concert. I was two, so I don't really remember it. But <laughs> I've literally been a lifelong fan. Uh, so, you know, but the first three decades or three plus decades really of her life were really rough. We all know about her first marriage, um, but also like she did not feel a lot of love from her parents as a child and was bounced around between them and her grandparents. Um, her mom left her dad, I think when she was like around eight. She ended up moving to St. Louis, where her mom had been uh, living for several years when she was 16. Um, and within like a year of moving there, she met Ike. So after their divorce, as we saw in What's Love Got to Do With It, she only fought for her stage name in the divorce. Uh, so she struggled for years trying to make ends meet and even receive food stamps during this time. Uh, she couldn't get a record deal because they thought she was too old, even though she was only in her late 30s, which... Mm. Um, but she started doing like Vegas review shows and appearing on TV variety shows. I'm sure a lot of folks have seen her videos like Cher from the 70s. That was like the mm -hmm. Cher uh, variety show. Um, she finally got a record deal with Capitol Records in the 80s. They only gave her two weeks to record the album. They didn't really expect much from it. She had done like a few albums, um, solo albums before that, that were unsuccessful. Um, but she ended up putting out the Private Dancer album in 1984 when she was 44 years old and pretty much a wrap after that. Like Mama was back. Uh, she was like selling out like world tours for the next like 25 years. So that like album pretty much like cemented her professional legacy. And yeah, some of her like other accolades included um, 
receiving the Kennedy Center Honor um, in 2005. Um, she has a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame and also on the St. Louis Walk of Fame, which I didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> and, right. They got enough famous people? <laughs> <laughs> maybe it might just be her nelly and murphy lee I don't <laughs> and chingy right well chingy from there. oh chingy <laughs> how how dare i forget chingy <laughs> which is interesting because i think of her more as like a tennessean hmm. but i guess she was in st louis you know for a couple years but and nutbush probably doesn't have a um she was also she's the only woman inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame twice um so she was inducted for like the ike and tina turner review um in 91 and then later i think like maybe like 2021 like it was recent like she got inducted as a solo artist um she also has like 12 grammys and um she's the only female artist to have won a grammy in pop rock and r&b categories Hmm. last thing because this is a tv and film podcast so i would be (laughs) remiss not to mention her acting work outside of those like 70s variety shows she starred as auntie entity in 1985's mad max beyond thunderdome uh, which of course gave us the song we don't need another hero Um, but her first film acting role was um, in a small part uh, in the who's 1975 film tommy she played the acid queen and one of my like favorite Tina songs is from that movie, which is also called Acid Queen. Um, so yes, I've been pretty sad about it, um, but I just, I love her and I'm glad like everyone has been celebrating her over the last week. Hmm. Yeah, rest in peace, Tina. Um, ah, crazy, crazy. All of our, our legends. Oh, wow. Mm. I'm gonna be toe up when Stevie's gone. Mm. Well, at least like what is Stevie? Stevie, I feel like he's only in his like early 70s, maybe. Hmm. But like I think the day after Tina passed or the day before, like Patty turned 80. And I was like, oh, baby, I need Patty here. <laughs> <laughs> we need them pies. <laughs> <laughs> Leave us the pie <laughs> recipe. <laughs> Well, I think Walmart got that. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, still, you know, got Diana, got, you know, Smokey just put out gasms. So, you know, kick it and apparently doing some other things. <laughs> so, um, Natasha Rothwell will be returning for season three of White Lotus. She's going to be reprising her character, Belinda. Um, you watch White Lotus, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you haven't watched, not a big spoiler, but um, she was thought she was going to have a come up that season. Didn't work out. So I'm hoping she finally gets her come up this season. Um, Wait, Jennifer- she, wasn't, she wasn't on season two, right? Mm-mm, only on okay. season one. Okay. So, yeah, Jennifer Coolidge was the only other recurring cast member on White mm-hmm. Lotus. Um, so it's pretty cool that um, I don't know if they'll bring back any of the other season one folks, but it's cool that Natasha is going to be back at least. Okay, good for her. I love to see a black woman working in <laughs> <Same>. Hollywood. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're like not just anywhere. But <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any news, Cam? Oh, uh, just uh, very very minor things. Um. 
let's see here. So, uh, for all the Sex in the City fans, you will be getting what everyone's been asking for, which is Kim Cattrall is coming back. Yay! <laughs> um, she will be reprising her role very shortly and briefly in a cameo for the second season of And Just Like That. If you have seen the show, we did a episode on it. You can go back and listen in the first season. She is notably absent, and the way they explain her absence is she's moved away to London, and her and Carrie had a falling out when Carrie fired her as her publicist. So everyone seems to be kind of on the outs with her. Uh, she's taken her anger out on the whole group and isn't really talking to them. But we hear about, you know, distant conversations that happen and text messages. We're able to see that. Well, next season, we might actually hear her voice because she supposedly filmed a car scene where she's talking to Carrie on the phone. And the the history of this beef apparently is she didn't want to do the third movie, uh, the Sex and the City movie. She was upset about compensation and felt that they should be paid more equally and Sarah Jessica Parker shouldn't be getting the biggest chunk. Um, she apparently was on the outs as well with, I believe it's the showrunner, Michael Patrick King, who in this article they call an SJP ally. (laughs) 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 So coming back, she had some, some, some demands that she wanted met. And the first one was she would not be filming with any of her co-stars. Didn't want none of them in her shot. (laughs) She also said that she did not want Michael Patrick King, the SJP apologist, on set. (laughs) SJP apologist. (laughs) (laughs) Those were her two demands. In addition to, I'm sure, a very nice, fat, heavy, thick-ass chick. You already know. For probably what is no more than like a minute cameo. So tune in. Second season starts, I believe, this month. Um, later on this month. And is she? Because I heard it was going to be a phone call. So I didn't know if we were only going to hear her voice, or are we actually going to like see her on the phone? We're going to see her because they talk okay. about like her working with the stylist and her wardrobe. Mm. So you will see her. And okay. Joe returns in in June, June twenty second. But they say she shows up, I guess, in the later later half of the season. Um, I guess HBO might be releasing episodes every week instead of dropping them all at the same time because they're saying we won't see her on screen until August. So, Oh, yeah, I think that's what they did for season one, too. Yep, so she'll be coming on back. I don't know. Maybe this experience will soften her up to maybe do more. Yeah. Might have to get rid of that showrunner, but maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we shall see. Keep hope alive. Uh <laughs> sexies. I don't know what what does sex in the city fans call themselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um did you see the trailer for the color purple? Oh my god, I did. It looks so good. So is it uh, first i was gonna say is it a cross between the movie and the musical but i guess the musical is based on the book and the music 
or the movie. So, yeah. I guess this is the film version of the musical. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's nice to see or hear that, like, a lot of the old cast and directors and people that were involved with the first film are also involved in this one. And I don't know. Um, I've only seen Fantasia in that one Lifetime movie about her life. And her acting wasn't great. So I'm hoping and she was playing herself. (laughs) Also, like 20 years ago, that was like a long time ago, right? Well, not 20, but also, also wild to think that you are playing in your own biopic. Like, when does that happen? (laughs) You are playing yourself (laughs) in your own biopic. Oh man, that's crazy. but I think she was uh she was silly on Broadway, so I think she'll be good. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think stage acting, yeah, it's different, but we shall see. We shall yeah. see. I am happy to support Miss Hallie Bailey in whatever she does. I can't wait to hear her sweet little voice in the movie theaters. Oh, what a precious baby. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see her, I'm just like, oh my little baby. She really is. She was just born to be like America's sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I actually saw this video because I was like telling my friend about the Little Mermaid yesterday. And I was like, it's just like, well, one, like I've said for a long time, I just feel like Hallie has like this ethereal like voice. Like mm-hmm. it's just like, so light and like what like angelic. Um, but then I was like, even like her face, like she's kind of like has like you know those doe eyes and there was like a video on tiktok and they were saying like she's like the best fit to play like a live action disney princess because she kind of like looks like she was like Mm. drawn to be like a disney princess (laughs) (laughs) i was like yeah spot on i know and she she emotes so well like little mermaid she doesn't speak for half the movie and her face is so expressive so Mm -hmm. angelic like oh she did such a great job such a great job but we'll recap that movie in the yes. next episode. <laughs> Indeed. Um. Oh, yes. So The Color Purple, that is coming out Christmas Day 2023. So you've still got a lot of time to look forward to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got for news. I will say, I got so wrapped up in the Tina stuff, I forgot to mention that uh, we had, like, probably the biggest, like, celebrity wedding of the season a couple weeks ago. Ooh. Um, well, one Miss Cam is now, <laughs> is now Mrs. Cam Cam, so <laughs> congratulations to you, ma'am. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I was racking my brain. I was like, uh, Teresa Judice? Um, who <laughs> who else got married? I was like, I really thought you were going to pick up on it. Your face looks so confused. <laughs> I'm like, dang. I mean, I know I haven't really been on social media, but woo, I missed the whole wedding. <laughs> but yes, it was a very beautiful ceremony. Um, you and your husband are just like the best. And y'all, like you could just see like the genuine joy, like on y'all's wedding day so yeah i'm just so happy for y'all it was such a good time um my cousins were actually texting me yesterday um (laughs) so apparently our venue was not supposed to like it's against the rules in maryland to give out shots 
But apparently oh. the bartenders were giving shots. <laughs> I was like, oh, I had no idea. That's such a weird rule. It is. Um, but apparently they were very heavy handed and we still have so much alcohol left over. Ooh, well, if you need me to come swing by and get a bottle, let me know. <laughs> um, girl, that was, so yeah, it was open bar and uh, my cousin was there and I was like, oh, what you drinking? And he said, Hennessy. So I was like, oh, I'll do a Hennessy pineapple. Cam, I think I, I had three Hennessy pineapples before like we ever even got like introduced, uh, like, or the bridal party got like introduced at the reception. And then I want to say I had uh, like two or three more plus like champagne and like wines. <laughs> it was the reception was quite lit, I will say that. Oh yeah. It was <laughs> such a good time. I mean, people were on the dance floor during dinner, like before the party had actually started. Well, yeah, also, like, your DJ played, like, had the most, like, sensual playlist, <laughs> like, for, like, the pre-dinner music. Like, everybody at my table was just, like, body rolling. Like, <laughs> why is, like, Jodeci's Fiendin, like, playing right now? <laughs> oh, shouts out to the DJ. DJ B-Easy. He was awesome. He was very good, yeah. The The video will be dropping soon. The documentary. <laughs> is it gonna now we'll say it ended up i had it was a very good time and i feel like it ended up working out but i was real mad at first when because the wedding was until five and then you were like bridesmaids be here at 8 a.m like, what <laughs> we gotta be there for a full work day like before the <laughs> wedding even starts Oh, like I said, that was the best I could do before y'all were starting at five, and I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no!" <laughs> oh, I definitely would have been there at no five, but uh, yeah, it ended up being like so much fun. Like even just like hanging out that day, and yeah, so God loved it. Times were had, indeed. Time was had last weekend. <laughs> All right, so uh, we are talking about Queen Charlotte today, and um, if you've watched Bridgerton uh, the first two seasons, you have seen, like, the more mature Queen Charlotte. I think she's supposed to be in, like, her 50s on um, regular Bridgerton, um, so this is kind of, like, the origin story of how Queen Charlotte came to England um, and all that kind of stuff. Now, as a Charlottean from Charlotte, North Carolina. I was very excited for this because Charlotte is the queen city. And I always heard growing, you know, from black people growing up, they're always like, you know, Queen Charlotte black, right? Like every, <laughs> every black person says that. So I didn't really know how until like one day I went to um, have a museum. It's called the Mint Museum. And they have uh, these two very big portraits uh, portraits of Charlotte and uh, King George III. And I was talking to like one of the docents or whatever there. And she was telling me that Queen Charlotte descended from um, some like more Portuguese people. That's like mm -hmm. where the Black answer she com comes in. So, yeah, she is um, a direct descendant of Margarita de Castro Isusa. Um, and that was like a black branch of the Portuguese royal family. Hmm. And I read years ago, I was trying to like find it again, but I couldn't find anything. Um, I feel like everything now, like when I look up Queen Charlotte's all about Bridgerton. So, um, <laughs> but uh, I heard, like, so even like, okay, the first episode, 
Um, we see Queen Charlotte. Um, she's from, um, well, not yet Queen Charlotte, but she's from Northern Germany, um, particularly mecklenburg Schleitz region or Schleitz region. And oh. Charlotte, North Carolina is in Mecklenburg. Yeah. County, so it's also pretty cool. Um, so her parents died and her brother it has been like taking care of her. And without discussing anything with her, he signs off to have her marry King George III of England. Um, and so when they are on their journey to England, he's telling her that the Brits have never married someone who looks like them, which I thought was interesting. And I will say, you know, Julie Andrews, who narrates his Lady Whistledown, at the very beginning of the first episode, she emphasizes that this is fiction based on fact. But I read years ago that abolitionist flyers in England did use images of Queen Charlotte. And they mm. were basically like, well, how can you support slavery when your queen is black? Oh, get them. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, like, I, you know, I don't think Queen Charlotte looked as black as, like, these two actresses. <laughs> I was going to say, the pictures <laughs> I saw online, she was like a ginger, like a black ginger. Yeah, like, I feel like it was probably more of, like, a Jennifer Bills situation than, like, Jennifer hmm. Bills from a, yeah, mm-hmm. um, which flash dance and lady uh or devil in a blue dress which do you ever see that movie denzel washington don Cheadle and her Mm-mm. so i haven't seen it since i was like a kid but it's set in like the 50s i think and basically she's been passing as a white woman jennifer bills has been passing as a white woman is married to this white guy and somehow like she gets found out or denzel washington's like a private eye and figures it out something like that but Jennifer Bills can pass, basically. So it was, you know, I, I think Charlotte probably looked more like her than, you know, Halle Berry or something. Hmm. Or even Mariah Carey. Or Meghan Markle. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't Jessica Beale also. What was that lesbian show on HBO? Wait, not Jessica. Wait, Jennifer Bill. Jessica Bill is uh, oh, yeah. Seventh Heaven. <laughs> seventh Heaven. Oh yes, what a terrible show. Um, <laughs> the L Word. Yes, yes, yeah. So, um, like, what's really cool? I really like this in Queen Charlotte. They kind of go between like young Queen Charlotte and then like present day Queen Charlotte. And Mm -hmm. so present day Queen Charlotte, her like dilemma is um, her granddaughter has died in childbirth and that was going to be like her only legitimate heir. So none of her other children, um, like basically like her daughters have not been able to get pregnant and her sons have had like a lot of illegitimate children and she has 15 kids. So it's kind of (laughs) crazy. Wild. Right. My God. Right. And I will say like in those times having that many kids. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> no yes. drugs no thank you right and what what's oh, i'm sorry go ahead i was gonna say also how deadly childbirth was for women back then and she pushed out 15 Woo. yeah and i think like 13 of them like lived like into adulthood which is also really mm-hmm. well for that time mm-hmm. and i looked up like the dates of the birth of her children i think she had those 15 kids like all within like 18 years so Good she was God. just like nonstop pregnant. <laughs> right. Baby making machine. The first uh Mrs. Duggar. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so crazy because like a big part of this show is like uh when they first get married, George's mom, uh, what's her name? Augusta. Um, she is the Dowager Princess. She is 
so concerned about getting pregnant it's like wow like the least of your worries (laughs) yeah since present day queen charlotte's granddaughter died in childbirth she and the baby died um she is now like pressuring her kids to have an heir pressuring her daughters to get pregnant pressuring her sons to actually get married and basically like stop like being sluts so um paraphrasing her not i'm not calling them sluts but that's what she's or she called them whores i think so trash um was what'd you say <laughs> trash bag whores <laughs> wait what's that from that's not from uh housewives jersey jersey okay i was like that sounds <laughs> so familiar something whores <laughs> so once uh charlotte gets to england she meets with george's mom and it's really weird kind of reminded me of like how you would see like uh people who were enslaved being examined like Mm. she was like looking at her teeth and just like you know not looking at her talking to her like a, a person um which maybe they did that intentionally maybe that's what people rural royal people back then really did i i don't know basically like charlotte is just like over it she's like i don't oh i forgot sorry something else when her mom was looking at her she like did this thing where she like tried to like wipe like the brownness like (laughs) off of charlotte i was like you you've seen black people before like that's not how that works (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah so because like charlotte is you know black part black or whatever george's mom decides last minute to send invites to like people of color within their community um and so this is kind of like the big change uh or i think they called it like the great experiment yeah and so that was kind of how they explained why when we watch bridgerton everything is so like multiracial and like integrated Mm -hmm. which Um, i will say you know I mean, if this were actually true, that would have been actually really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, to like try and make her feel at home by bringing in people that look like her. And so they don't seem as though they are unawares that she was black. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking that. And then I looked up when slavery was abolished in England, and that was not until 1807. And <laughs> <laughs> not until 1838 in British colonies. So it was definitely just a fun little fictional. Oh, yeah. Thing. Oh, yeah. Utopian so, society. <laughs> exactly. So um, Charlotte's just like, I don't want no part of this. She is trying to find a way to escape over the wall. And then, of course, george finds her she doesn't know who he is so she's just like can you please give me help like i'm I'm trying to get over and he's like no and she's just like how dare you not help a lady and he's like well i'm not going to help a lady who's trying to escape being married to me and then so she's kind of like oh okay like you know he's kind of fine like (laughs) i want to rethink this all right let me climb back down (laughs) (laughs) right might not be so bad so (laughs) uh yeah so you know they kind of have a moment where they chat and i think it kind of like eases both of their nerves they're like oh like this feels like a equal partner and intelligence and you know whatever so originally charlotte had wanted to wear a dress designed by a french designer and the dowager princess was like no like you need to wear like this like kind of plain british dress or whatever 
So after, I guess, meeting George, he feels emboldened. She wears the French dress she planned to wear and comes down out with the fro fully out. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which so y'all gonna know today. I'm blackity <laughs> okay. black. <laughs> okay, I'm black, y'all. Not black, y'all. <laughs> Say it oh. loud. I'm black and I'm proud. <laughs> So, yeah, everything is great. The wedding's wonderful. The reception seems fun. And then they are in the carriage to go back to uh, their home. And George is like, all right, well, I'll catch you tomorrow. (laughs) He's like, our home. This is your home. (laughs) Right. He's like, oh, I'm going back to Q. And she was like, well, wait, like, it's, it's our wedding night. Like, where are you going? And he gets really mad that she's, like, trying to, you know, get him to stay. And he was trying to be all nicer earlier, like, no, like, don't, I'm not your highness, I'm just George. And she was like, oh, I, I thought you were just George, but my bad, you know, as you wish, your majesty, whatever. Complete 180. Yes. I was like, just like a man to, like, charm you and then flip the script. Child, he baited you, wedded <laughs> you, and now you're about to abuse you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. Like, oh, no, here we go. <laughs> I was like if that's the case I'm like I wouldn't be so bad to be here by myself <laughs> uh, there are worse prisons but <laughs> <laughs> okay right. <laughs> I loved that the kind of running theme throughout the whole show was about like choices and like the choices mm. we can or can't make or the choices that society imposes on us um and you just see it in different ways in everybody's story and how they achieve their own agency and make the choice that they didn't know they could make. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Are there like, I don't know, do you have like any like favorite moments of that or like ones that like really stood out to you? Um, in this episode, it was the dress, like her choosing mm. to insert herself into a process that she felt like she was being kind of swept up in you know just not being able to show any part of herself on her wedding day or her culture um or her expression for people to know who she is and she made a choice and ended up working out well her husband supported her the dowager princess or queen whatever um (laughs) seemed to get over it so but even her, like, feeling like she had no choice in the marriage. Her brother arranged it. You know, she was trying to get to know who the king was before she married him. And everyone was being really, like, hush-hush about him. And, oh, like, wow. meeting him and, like, ultimately deciding, I can stay. I can do this. hmm Yeah. Wow. That's a great way to look at it. Then, you know, we start to see, like, some of Charlotte's, like, kind of day-to-day life. It was really interesting to me because you see like her like handmaidens or whatever, <laughs> like helping her get ready. I was like, I don't know how to do black hair. The same thing. I was like, nobody's panicking back here. There, she didn't have like, no, that's not how you do it. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, right. good for her. <laughs> good for her. She was like, damn, like they know how to grease her scalp and everything. Like these, <laughs> these women are on it. <laughs> <laughs> So in episode two, like we find out that the um I think they're called like the Queen's Man and the King's Man are 
like they have like a relationship. So the queen's man is Brimsley, the king's man is Reynolds. And I was like, wow, well, that's really convenient that like <laughs> you're working for like two people who are married. So now like you get to be together all the time. Like that worked out pretty well. Yeah. And uh, we see like George in his observatory. That's kind of where he likes to spend all this time. Like he has like what he says is like the Graves Observatory Observatory in England. Um, so he's always like star watching and stuff like that. And basically, I think like Brimsley maybe tells Reynolds. I can't remember how it happened, but like basically, like King George finds out that like Charlotte's unhappy, she's feeling lonely, and he's like, "Okay, I'll send her a gift." And he sends her the cutest little pomeranian. <laughs> oh, so adorable. She called him a what deformed bunny. <laughs> she was very confused about. Apparently, she had never seen a dog that looked like that, so she just kept saying it was a deformed bunny. <laughs> and so Brimsley basically ended up like taking care of it. But I was confused because I was like, I could have sworn pomeranians were German. And so mm. I looked it up. Pomeranians descended from the German Spitz. So I feel like she would have like recognized it at very least as a dog since she's from Germany. Aren't like Great Danes or like Dobermans also from Germany? Maybe she was used to like big dogs. Like big royal type dogs. I don't know. Okay, yeah. And maybe maybe they didn't keep smaller dogs in palaces back then. Um, but then we see like the modern day Charlotte, she has like a bunch of Pomeranians, I guess yeah. they grew on her. But when I was like reading about like, in real life, Queen Charlotte's granddaughter, Queen Victoria was actually like a Pomeranian enthusiast. Mm. Um, so and she imported like Pomeranians of like different colors to like, uh, improve and promote the breed in England. Mm. So I guess that's probably where they pull that from because I didn't see anything about Queen Charlotte actually having Pomeranians. But also in this episode, we get to learn more about Lady Agatha Danbury, who is one of the main characters in uh, regular Bridgerton. And it was crazy because, like, as soon as I saw the young actress, like, playing her, I was like, oh, my God, that's Lady Danbury. Which hmm. I, I thought the casting was, like, fantastic with, like, the younger actors. Um, I thought they looked so similar to uh, the older actors. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually but- thought she didn't, like, when I, because I didn't watch Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. So when I saw the present day Lady Danbury, I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> really? Yeah, I didn't think they looked alike at all. I thought that, and maybe because I feel like it's like the way they do like the eyeliner too. Hmm. Like, I think it's like the same way. But yeah, I don't know. I, I immediately was like, oh, that's definitely Lady Danbury. Hmm. Um, but we see like uh, her like, so we know she's single in Bridgerton. But we find out she was married to a man who was much older and not really attractive. Um, (laughs) And we just see them having several sex scenes where she's just kind of like staring at the ceiling, waiting for it to be over. So it's kind of kind of rough to watch. Depressing. Yes. (laughs) So Lady or well, at this time, uh, Agatha, uh, Danbury meets with the Dowager Princess and um she basically like works out getting Lord and Lady titles for her and her husband. But in exchange, the Augusta, the Dowager Princess, wants for Agatha to befriend Charlotte and kind of like spy on her and bring uh Intel back to um Augusta. 
So um, this kind of like works out for a while, but then um, I think Agatha like starts feeling guilty about it and really starts to like see Charlotte as like a genuine friend. And she kind of like wants to, you know, be like truthful to her and let that go. Even if, even at the risk of losing their titles. So I think one of the turning points too with Lady Danbury's friendship with Queen Charlotte um, is that she's like trying to explain to her like what her being queen means for quote unquote their kind. Um, Just kind of like the representation and like how important this is for England and how much like this is going to change everything. So with like this kind of newfound status, Lord and Lady Danbury try to, um, or they plan to throw a ball and basically like nobody's playing to 10 because it's kind of like, what are these uppity Negroes trying to do? Like, we ain't ain't going to this. So she had mentioned this to Charlotte and Charlotte gets um, George to send personal invites out for uh the Danbury ball telling people he's planning to attend so of course they end up getting a packed house and earlier in the episode we had met the preteen uh Violet Bridgerton um I don't remember her main name but um we kind of see the dynamics um in her family she's very progressive believes in equality her dad seems progressive as well but her mom is just kind of like oh like these people would never be like us and whatever Um, But once George sends out the personal invites, they end up attending. And this is like, I kind of like immediately noticed like when Violet's dad was talking to Lady Danbury, like, I don't remember what he said, but it was, I was kind of like, oh, like, does he kind of like have a thing for her? Did you pick up on that? Uh, Oh, yeah, they did. He did seem to be rather friendly and flirtatious very early on. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, at the ball, they do dance to uh, a string version of Alicia Keys' If I Ain't Got You. And I was like, wow, like this dance has ended racism in England. (laughs) (laughs) And then after the ball, Lord Danbury is so excited. He, of course, wants to have sex with his wife and he ends up dying during sex. So um, she's like, oh, my God, like I'm finally free. But also, to be, like, an older gentleman, he had a lot of get up and go. <laughs> it's like, God damn, like, every time, like, I, I, like, if I was her, like, like, you're not slowing down at all. Like, what's, like, there's no Viagra at this time? Like, what's happening? <laughs> right, I'd be drugging him at night, like, give him some sleeping powder. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, so, like, um, at the end of this episode, we kind of see, like, happiness for lady danbury that she's finally free and queen charlotte is feeling much happier in her marriage but this takes a turn because she gets to see george's mental illness for the first time when he runs out of their room naked and into the garden and he's yelling like he can see venus and so i thought she did a really good job in the moment she's like no no like i'm venus i'm here come back in the house with me so I thought she handled it really well. But after that, she was kind of like, well, what the hell's going on with my husband? Like, why, why did nobody tell me this? And she's pretty furious about it. That would be too. Yeah. So you, at the time, they didn't know what it was. But I guess 
scientists or whatever now think that he may have had bipolar disorder or a blood disease called porphyria Hmm. so this is kind of like the halfway point in the season and we start to see um things from george's perspective um so as as i mentioned like after the wedding night he's just like how dare you like i'm gonna go where i want to go and i'm not staying with you tonight and so we find out that the reason for this is he is trying to hide his mental illness from Charlotte. Um, so he starts working with this doctor, uh, Dr. John Monroe from Bethlehem Hospital. And he's, uh, I guess, like a therapist for their times. And he feels like George's issue is nervous, not physical. So during that honeymoon period, while Queen Charlotte was alone, like, what the fuck? Like, is this going to be my life? George was actually going through like really extreme like torture measures with uh, Dr. Monroe to try to like end these kind of like mental breaks forever. And Monroe is basically like George has never learned to submit and he needs to be broken. So he is being like super, super torturous to him. Yeah. Barbaric, honestly. Yes. Yeah. So Queen Charlotte does finally get pregnant. And it is confirmed by a royal doctor. So this, like, I think it kind of made, like, George, like, spiral a little bit. So she's kind of, like, on her own again for a while. And um, Lady Danbury tells her, you know, like, I'll move in and I won't leave your side. So, like, she's kind of, like, on the outs again. Or Queen Charlotte's kind of on the outs again with uh, George. And it's kind of, like, interesting because, like, whenever they have drama it kind of affects like brimsley and like reynolds relationship as well (laughs) yeah and it's just it's it's kind of crazy to think of like being in a relationship where it's so dependent on someone else's relationship you know yeah it's i honestly find reynolds to be one of the most tragic characters of the show oh why do you say that because it's like your entire life like revolves around someone else and their life happiness sadness wants needs desires like you're not able to have a family you're also living closeted and can't like openly be with the one you love and really what what relationship can you have when you're a servant 24 7 i mean your entire life is devoted to the crown but i guess why do you see him as uh more of a tragic figure than brimsley Oh, no, I'm so- sorry. I was talking about Brimsley, not Reynolds. Oh, okay. I was talking about Brimsley okay. being a very sad. I mean, both of them sad but, characters. Yeah. yeah. This was like, I feel like the only, like, I don't know, silver lining was that they were both working for this couple. So at least yeah. they got to be in the same place some of the times. Yeah. A big thing is I mentioned like Lady and Lord Danbury and some of the other like people of color got like these titles because of Charlotte and the Great Experiment. So now that Lord Danbury dies, some of the other like people of color in the community come to talk to Lady Danbury because there's never been discussion of like, do these titles get passed down the same way they do for the white residents? So Lady Danbury... um she realizes that you know she needs to secure these titles for her and her children and also found out that lord danbury did not leave her much money unfortunately so she takes her little adorable son to go see uh, augusta 
to talk about uh, or to confirm that he is now the next Lord Danbury. And basically, I think like maybe even Augusta just kept was calling him boy or something like basically showing like, no, like girl, like this is it's a wrap. So Lady Danbury is pretty much like on edge until later, which we'll get to when she does get confirmation that she'll get to keep her title. Also during this time, Queen Charlotte sits for a wedding portrait and she's like separated from George III again. So she's sitting for the portrait by herself, but his mom is there basically watching it being painted. And Charlotte tells the painter to darken her skin um, as it actually is. But Augusta says, no, make it paler. So we see the whitewashing there. And she finally just like gets sick of being without George. So she goes to Q Palace and busts in and sees the way he's getting tortured. And she pulls him out, fires Dr. Monroe. And she's like, I would rather like have him with whatever, you know, craziness or whatever episodes he has than to have you kill him. So that's basically the end of Dr. Monroe. Yeah, I wondered, like, his, his nosy-ass mama, did she not know that this was going on? I don't know if she cared. I think she just wanted to do anything to, like, get him well. Hmm. Gotcha. And so, again, so we're in episode five right now. The last thing about this episode is Lady Danbury and Violet's dad, Lord Ledger, finally hook up. They they stop fighting the sexual tension and they hook up while a classical version of Who Run the World Girls plays. <laughs> and she finally realizes that, oh, like, sex can be pleasurable. So. Yeah. Doesn't have to be awful. And you don't have to always stay lying down looking at the ceiling. Sometimes <laughs> you can get on top. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of options. <laughs> <laughs> you got choices. <laughs> Oh, so in present day, um, Lady Danbury and Lord Ledger's daughter, Violet Bridgerton, are very good friends. But Lady Danbury has never told Violet that her and um, her dad had any kind of like intimate relationship. But Violet's dad would make these like little paper hats for people's birthdays. And he made one for Lady Danbury that she kept after all these years. Um and Violet sees the hats at um, Lady Danbury's house. So she kind of knows, like, okay, like, he didn't just make these for anybody. Like, it seems like they were more than just acquaintances. But then so, did he play her face, though, the next time he saw her after sleeping with her? Well, I think they hooked up, like, a few times. And then, yeah, it was kind of messy. So, yeah. So after... After Lord Danbury passed, Lady Danbury would go on these, like, walks, you know, I guess, like, just to clear her mind or have some space or whatever. Um, so she ends up, like, sitting down at this, like, little shack. And uh, this is, like, early on after Lord Danbury died. Uh, Lord Ledger comes up and he's like, oh, you're on my property. And she's like, oh, I thought this was my property. And he's like, oh, no, like, yours ends, like, whatever, on the other side. So they strike up a conversation and then they start walking together every day, pretty much, which is what led to them having the intimate relationship. But as Cam mentioned, 
when he, I guess, starts feeling guilty about cheating on his wife or he's worried about getting caught or whatever the case may be. And he shows up and she's so excited to see him. But then Violet pops out from behind him and she's like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're not hooking up today. And um, <laughs> he basically, you know, ends it with her, which by, by bringing his daughter, what a coward, <laughs> what a coward, right? He got his little taste. He said, let me stop this right? fuck up my family. <laughs> right. Got his little taste of brown sugar. Now, now he's ready to be out. <laughs> but during that interaction, we do see like young Violet's face and she, she kind of looks confused. Like, hmm, like this feels more awkward than it should be. So maybe, you know, it's like, I don't know, a 13-year-old or whatever she was. Like, she was just kind of like, oh, that's weird and didn't really think more about it. But I think that on top of seeing the paper hat at, like, modern-day Lady Danbury's house, she was like, oh, that's probably what that was about. Violet ends up inviting Lady Danbury for tea um, towards the end of this episode. And she has pulled out all of her dad's paper hats and has them, like, all, just all out decorating the room. And so when Lady Danbury sees them, she kind of knows, like, okay, like, you know. And they don't really, like, Lady Danbury told her of a great love because Violet had been feeling guilty about um, feeling like she wanted to be, you know, have a partner again after um, her husband died unexpectedly. And Lady Danbury said something about, like, oh, like, we're a garden, we're gardens in bloom or something like that. And she mentions having like this great love etc so this is kind of like their unspoken way of violet being like i know you were in love with my dad and like you know you're still my friend and whatever so i thought that was kind of like a nice scene yeah it was very uh very coded language that took me a second like what are they talking about now (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I actually thought, like, Violet was going to be, like, more upset about it. Yeah. I was glad she wasn't. Yeah. And, I mean, they definitely kind of made her mom seem like kind of a jerk. So, <laughs> maybe yeah. she was like, yeah, I get it. So, after, like, Charlotte basically rescues George from, like, Dr. Monroe's torture, he, um, he of course, gets distant again. And so, she goes to him and his observatory and is like confronting him about like why like he you know wants her to go and doesn't want to be around her and at first she thought like she was feeling like a failure but then she realized maybe he was distant because he loved her so they have this moment where they both say i love you to each other and he's just like you know i i don't think like you can you can love me because i'm his words a madman um, but once Charlotte tells him that she does love him, he tells her that he's loved her desperately since they met at the wall. I cannot. Oh, this was actually a really lovely quote. He says, I cannot breathe when you're not near. Mm. I love you, Charlotte. My heart calls your name. Mm. So, like, I mean, who's not falling for that? Please. Right. <laughs> Panties drop. <laughs> <laughs> right. And and this is how she got pregnant with baby number two. <laughs> so she tells him that they can do this together you know whatever problems like we'll face it together which and uh, again she's like probably like 18 at this point so she's underestimating how big those problems are going to be but it's a very sweet sentiment yeah i was really happy that 
you know, George was giving us whiplash the entire series. You know, he's definitely like a sour patch kid. Sweet one minute, sour the next. <laughs> Just flip-flopping between the two. But to see and know, although this is fictional, <laughs> <laughs> to see and know that there was love there and that, you know, she was kind of the one person that could bring him back to reality when he was, like in his delusions um and just seeing like how tender she was and basically like yo work with this mm. <laughs> we just need to do this together like loop me in clue me in so that i'm <laughs> right you know. so I, I thought that was really really comforting <laughs> yeah like i'm here for you like we gotta talk about it boo yeah or more so comforting that he loved her back, you know, that she wasn't in mm-hmm. this like loveless 15 child marriage. <laughs> <laughs> there better be some love. I'm pushing up 15 kids. Like... Ooh, 15 of your big head babies. Um, Waterhead babies. Right. <laughs> oh. And I think this is older Charlotte or present day Charlotte when i think she's talking to him like when they're under the bed and they like flop back mm-hmm. back and forth between past and present and again the theme of choices she was actually i think she said this to one of her children in present day that love is a choice marriage is a choice to like show up love someone um and be present in it is it's a choice, but it's also like a beautiful choice. And without it, you're completely lost. So like find someone to grab a hold onto and like do make the choice with. Mm-hmm. And even in what was it, episode four, where we finally see from George's perspective all the like events of the first three episodes, and we find out he feels powerless and like he has no agency. He has to do you know, for the good of the crown, he has to get married. He has to have kids, even though these aren't things he really wants or thinks. Uh, I don't think it's things that he doesn't want. He doesn't want to doom another person to a life with him. Yeah. Which is like, you know, very noble, honorable, but just him also feeling the same way that she did, that he had no choice in this marriage, but them ultimately choosing to be with one another. It's just so sweet. <laughs> so sweet and touching. Yes, it was. And I think it was kind of interesting to see she was so compassionate, as you said, like, we'll get through this together. And then I guess just after years of like him getting worse and, you know, just getting older, living life, whatever, she lacks so much compassion with her children as as while when they're adults. I was thinking that too. I was like, oh, is she a bad mom? (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, how could she be so like, essentially you have to treat your husband like a child. Like you have to talk to him like a child, but then you talk to your children. Like you might think you'd talk to your husband, you know, (laughs) like any kind of way. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And uh, yeah, maybe, you know, we, we didn't see her parents. I don't know how they treated her, uh, but her kids like confronted her um about how cruel she was about this like baby race they actually say you have been our queen but you have never been our mother Mm -hmm. 
And it was also really crazy because like after that, I guess like that made her have like some kind of self-reflection. So she asked the older Brimsley if he has any family or if he's ever been married. Mm -hmm. And I was like, y'all been together for like, what, 40 years? And you, like, you don't even know if he's married? Like, right. Or when would he have time to be with his family? Because he's always with you. (laughs) Exactly. I was just, yeah, I was really shocked by that. Like, you know, I never have no little Kiki about like his siblings, (laughs) like nothing. Right, which definitely seems counter to their relationship as, like, the young Queen Charlotte. She was definitely like, be a person. Tell me. Yeah. Talk to me. I guess she just, like, fell into that role and let go wanting to be his friend or know more about him. Yeah. Still. Still, that was shocking. 40 years, you ought to know. (laughs) A little something about his family. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So another like big event or whatever in this final episode is that George is supposed to give a speech to Parliament. And um, I guess there had already been like rumors about George's like mental state. So he needed to go to Parliament and show that he was, um, uh, what's the word? Vi- a viable king? Is that the right word? Sure. Competent? No. Competent. <laughs> That that works. <laughs> that he was like a competent king, and he was able to actually lead England. Or there was a risk that he could be removed as king. So he goes uh, to Parliament, and then once they get there, like Reynolds gets down off of his little place he was standing and tries to open the door. George has locked it, and he's in the floor of the carriage having a panic attack. So this is really bad because there's like members of parliament standing outside. They know this is the royal carriage. They're waiting for him to get out. We don't see how they end up leaving, but we know that they left. And to try to rectify this, they decide to hold a ball and introduce their baby and bring parliament to the king. So hopefully he'll be more comfortable here and he won't have one of his episodes. Speaking of, how come? Now, one thing I did peep from the flashbacks from uh past and present how come all her children like solidly look white like no one looks mixed (laughs) there were uh a couple more of them black ones in there more were white yes yes agreed like very white not even like passing (laughs) so i felt that was a little uh, a little unrealistic but I feel like it, was, it it's more realistic that they would look white. She was part white and George was all white. So, I mean. But I, I'm saying based off of how they depict her in the show and then the way her children come mm, out, it's yeah. just like, oh, I don't know about this. And also, I was not prepared for your girl's hair. Like, every episode, every scene, she had a different quaffed going oh, on. Yes, ma'am. Like, Sis would have took home grand prize in every Atlanta hair show. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Bronner Brothers. (laughs) She was. I actually watched. uh, Have you ever watched like Trixie and Katia doing Netflix reviews on YouTube? I have. Yeah. (laughs) I watched their one on Queen Charlotte and they kept talking about her wigs. They were like, mama, mama. Like, like, I need this. It's sickening. I mean, they were <laughs> massive. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she you know, she has some good-ass wigs. Intricate, boy. Mm-hmm. 
So at the ball, everything goes well. You see George starting to get a little nervous. Charlotte, I think, holds his hand, calms him down. He gives the speech to all of the uh, ball attendees, and everything's going great. So I didn't mention this, but when Charlotte was separated from George, she sent a letter to her brother kind of about how depressed she was. So he came to visit, and when he... Um, got there he met Lady Danbury he's kind of smitten with her proposes to her and asks her to come back to Germany with him and while you know he's handsome and age appropriate like all these things she's just kind of like I think I want to be married again like I like having my freedom like I just got out of a marriage like the last thing I want to do is like be you know tied down with someone else right now Um, so he gives her some time to think about it, but at the ball, she turns down his proposal and she's like, it's not you. It's just that, like, I don't want to marry anyone again. That sounds pretty dope. Um, when she talked about she was essentially raised and bred to be Lord Danbury's wife, like her oh, entire yeah. existence revolved yeah. around someone else and then to like be on the other side of that to like start to get to know herself who she is outside of being lady danbury and yeah the prospect of like having to be in someone else's shadow again mm-hmm. have to yeah. make your entire world revolve around this person and at this point you know she secured her her son's you know birthright name right whatever passed down the lord like i don't need you i mean you are king. <laughs> you are king, but <laughs> I'm good over here in my little country estate. All right, I'm doing all right. And yeah, I, I forgot about that because she said she was born in Sierra Leone. I'm not sure if Lord Danbury is supposed to be from Sierra Leone as well, but she said so. she was prom. Okay, yeah, she said she was promised to him at like age three, which is insane, gross. Right, right, and he was what probably like. 40 40 at the time (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so as she's like uh lady danbury's leaving the ball um she's saying good night to charlotte and charlotte is basically like you know uh, kind of upset that she declined her brother's proposal and i think you know lady danbury kind of explained it to her and that's when like queen charlotte like confirms that Lady Danbury, her children, and all the people of color in their community will retain their titles and will be able to pass them down the same way that the white people have been able to. Kind of the last thing is, uh, well, Queen Charlotte had forced two of her sons to marry in a double, <laughs> uh, a double wedding. And one of her sons comes to her. Uh, sorry, we, we've jumped to the older Charlotte now. One of her sons comes to her and he's like, we're pregnant. And you see her like hug him and you see him kind of confused. Like, oh, this, this has never happened before. <laughs> so he got to like slowly like hugs her back. And she's so excited that she goes to tell George the news that they are going to have an heir. Um, and so when this is the first time we've seen like the older George and he is like, writing his i don't know astrological um math or whatever like physics something on the wall and she's like he's not really paying attention to her 
So she's like, George, like it's me, Venus. And so then he kind of finally kind of turns around and she kind of remembers um, like, you know, his safe space is kind of like under the bed. So she crawls underneath the bed and he gets down um, underneath the bed too. And he kind of, he's like, oh, Charlotte, it's you. And he kind of has like this moment of clarity. You, you were mentioning this, like you kind of see them, he's seeing her as like, you know, the day he met her and he, she's seeing him the same way. And I'm not going to lie. I bawled during this scene. And <laughs> I feel like there's, sweet. It, was sweet. it was very sweet. And like, I feel kind of guilty about it. Cause I feel like they're terrible. And like the British empire <laughs> did some really terrible things, but as a fictional show, it was a very like sweet and touching scene. Yeah. Do you think, is there going to be, do they plan to have more seasons of this? no like sometimes when they do like spinoffs like this i wonder if they're just like waiting to see how successful it'll be uh-huh. if that's the case i think they definitely will because i think people really liked it a lot um but i haven't heard anything hmm. darn yeah i hope they're I, I mean i did go back and start watching bridgerton after watching this just because oh. i wanted to know more about i guess present day lady charlotte and lady danbury but I, I was frustrated. <laughs> well, why were you frustrated? Well, because it was, you know, mainly about the little Bridgerton girls, and I just don't care about their story. Well, you you got to stick with it. it. I think it it gets. I actually really like season two because, like, her, her brother, the oldest brother, um, starts dating like an Indian girl or Indian woman, I should say, um and yeah I, I really enjoyed it i was like first season i feel like it was kind of jarring because i just think like the bridgerton daughter looks so young to me mm-hmm. i was just like oh like it feels like he's like with a teenager and i didn't really like that mm-hmm. but i mean she's probably supposed to be you know like 17 or something and in real life that woman's probably like 25 i don't know <laughs> but like it was like a little weird to see i feel like season two everyone looks a little more age appropriate but stick with it i i I think it's really it's really enjoyable to watch okay i really only care about the black people so that's kind of why there's just too much whiteness happening (laughs) in bridgerton for me (laughs) well what about there's the the black guy yeah but i don't even i'm not even buying into their love story which i already had some biased feelings about that before which is why i didn't watch bridgerton Mm -hmm. originally but yeah i'm I'm like three episodes in it's okay that's so early i like charlotte better but (sighs) i guess i'll watch it but it is it's better yeah and like you'll see like lady danbury and like charlotte's friendship like as uh you know like as older um women or more mature women so um yeah just stick with it i think it's cool to kind of see like how they got to that point but then also does lady or does queen charlotte ever find out about augusta's and lady danbury's arrangement because she was basically using her influence with the queen to get what she wanted Mm -hmm. or actually she worked both channels she was working augusta and queen charlotte which is honestly a little it's pretty manipulative i understand why she's doing it but i just that's why i was thinking there might be like a second season because they never like that never comes to a head like i thought that would 
become a problem or like an issue in their friendship. I kind of did too. Like I was just waiting for like Queen Charlotte to be like, damn, like, you know, overhearing George talk to his mom about fulfilling his duties. And then I thought she would find out Lady Danbury was like bringing back information. And I thought she was like, damn, like, can't trust nobody. Right. It never, yeah. So maybe that will be in, in season two. Hmm. And now that you bring that up, like, there was like, like I said, there was like that turning point where Lady Danbury started feeling guilty. And so I think she went to um, Augusta and was basically like, you know, I can't do this anymore. I'm like letting it go. And you kind of find out like Augusta just really, I guess, found Lady Danbury to be like a formidable foe and like kind of enjoyed having this back and forth with her. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you know, like as women, like we don't really get anything. It's that's not what she said. I was like, we don't get anything handed to us. They're literally like royalty. But <laughs> I forgot how she phrased it. But basically, you're like, women have to stand up for themselves. Like, don't you give up. And so then they kind of go back to their little like frenemy, whatever thing. But yeah, maybe that maybe that will be like a big point of like contention if they do like another season of Queen Charlotte. Hmm. Maybe. What I keep waiting for is america got its independence during like charlotte and george's reign oh and so i keep waiting for that to come up at some point in one of these shows like because he's like king george is known as like the the monarch who like lost the united states and that Mm. has not come up yet so i guess we'll see if it if it does yeah that'll be interesting how they tackle that alongside their wonderful culturally diverse utopian society (laughs) they've curated from the great experiment (laughs) right right (laughs) maybe that's it we want america to look like the way britain is now had a funny way of going about it (laughs) all right (laughs) right Our, our people didn't exactly come through ellis island so uh do you have anything else on queen charlotte um, I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. Like I said, I hope there's a season two. The costumes, the hair were so on point, like just beautiful, mm. gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just hope uh, we get to see more of this. Yeah, me too. And I thought the actors were really good too, the young actors. Oh yeah, they did a really good job. Uh, the young lady who played like a young Queen Charlotte and young Lady Danbury. I really enjoyed their characters and their dynamic and like friendship. Yeah, me too. What about you? Any other thoughts about it? Um, no, I'm just, you know, as a, as a Charlottean, I'm just brimming with pride. That, uh... <laughs> this fictional depiction of your queen. <laughs> just... That our black queen is so much in the spotlight. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I too enjoyed it. Like I said, I've been like looking up Queen Charlotte stuff for a long time, uh, because of everyone telling me she was part black growing up. So yeah, I, I, I love that this is that they decided to just go ahead and make her black <laughs> in the show. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that's that's it for me. What do you have your eyes on, Cam? Well, I feel like it's been so long since we were last here. I've watched so much. But 
movies. Uh, I already mentioned Saw the Little Mermaid. It's great. Mm-hmm. I watched The Croods for the first time like a couple weeks ago. Is that like the cavemen people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> were, you, were you babysitting? Why, why did you watch that? It's just, uh, I think it was on Netflix or like, you know, the top 10 Netflix movies. And I was like, oh, let me watch this. It was actually really good. <laughs> okay. Really good. Take your word for it. That one and the second one. The first one's better. <laughs> you watched two? Yeah, there. I didn't even know there were two. But there's a second one. I think they're working on a third one. I didn't know there were two either. But yeah, the first one's pretty cute. Um. The second one gets a little too, I don't know, it's a little too much about like classism and caveman versus the modern man kind of thing. I didn't care for it too much where they have like the modern or the caveman version of like what a tablet would be or a cell phone or so it gets a little silly. Mm. But <laughs> but they had you until that point. It was very realistic. <laughs> <laughs> Like the cinematic quality just dropped so much. Or no, it was just like the trying to make the modern day teenager, like what would that have looked like in caveman times? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So like one of the sons, like his thing was like sitting and looking out the window and like watching the scenery around him, which is like the equivalent of being addicted to like TV and games of Mm -hmm. today. Mm-hmm. So, a little too much, a little heavy-handed, but yeah, cute movie. If you've never seen it, lighthearted, pretty good. I recommend. <laughs> okay. Um, I also watch that Tiana Taylor movie. Um. Oh yeah. Oh gosh, what's it called? Is it? Is that Rose in the title? No, I thought it had like a thousand. Oh yeah, a thousand and one. It's called a thousand and one. Oh, whoops. Okay. Um, really interesting movie. I found it very sad. My husband found it very hopeful. <laughs> oh, okay. I equated the movie to like it reminded me of Precious, but mm. we had two very different experiences of the movie. So you'll either find it really sad or really uplifting. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you told me about your precious. I was like, no. Like, really, <laughs> like, I didn't even cry in that movie. I just like felt so like emotionally drained. Like, yeah, just so much happening. Yeah, I would say like it's not as like emotionally traumatizing as precious. Like, just like constant, just like the worst that life can throw at you. Um, this one had a lot of that but it was also like a story of hope and love but it also i think my issue with it was i don't know i guess you don't know you're settling until you see how things are on the other side so maybe i thought it was like Mm. this is this is the best they can do and this is like their version of like ultimate love but if you've experienced love like looking at it it could just seem very very tragic but i guess one person's like tragedy is another person's like triumph story so it's it's really just a matter of perspective okay um, but good movie very good movie highly recommend 
I also just saw the new Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, mm. Miles Morales. So good. Oh, I just I love this this series and this yeah. adaptation of it. Um, there's a really good twist at the end that I didn't really see coming. It's really just dealing a lot with the multiverse and how things small things and ripples through time create all these major waves and aftershocks whatever Mm -hmm. um but highly recommend if you have not seen it as far as tv shows i have been watching dave the show about um what's my guy little dicky and his entourage very strange show i have coined it like the white person's uh atlanta like it's just got (laughs) <laughs> a lot of really like strange uh, commentaries, satirical commentary about society and the music industry. Um, but still, such a good show. Like the way to be a show about a Jewish white man, it tackles so much like black mental health issues oh. in the show and in such a kind of relatable, palatable way that I just haven't seen done on any other show. So, okay. I think it's a great show. Um, what else? Did I tell you about? I can't remember if I've talked about this, but seeking brother husbands. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I can't remember if it was on here though, or if you we were just talking about. It. I can't remember. I can't either. But I've been watching Secret Secret Seeking. It's not a secret, actually. It's very open. <laughs> 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 Seeking Brother Husbands, which is the kind of flip side of the show, Seeking Sister Wives, where there are women who are looking for multiple male partners to be in a poly uh, amorous or I forget the term they use in the show, but essentially the woman is the center of the relationship and she has a bunch of men around her that meet the various needs that she has. And there is one black, there's two black women on there, uh, surprisingly. And oh. one, I think one lives in Atlanta, one lives in Houston. And of course, they are just, <laughs> the one that lives in Houston is very like Mother Earth, ancestors, you know, takes a village <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of approach. And she is just, like insatiable okay your girl wants like has a goal to have like 20 brother husbands Uh oh brother husbands wow like they have grown kids um like her and her husband that she was married for like 20 years grown children who are all like in support of the lifestyle and also very wow you know earthy erica badu-esque so it's just interesting. It's really interesting to see these black women be so like empowered and basically like call the shots with all these men and have these men like fighting over <laughs> over them. Wow. Uh, it's kind Sounds of like sh- goals, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> have you shared this with your husband yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, I could, I could not. Like that is way too much um pleasing of a man that I would have to do. it's very exhausting but she also i think like her and her husband are in like a sexless relationship so if it were like a bunch of friendships i might be able actually no i'm an introvert i can't i can't divide my time (laughs) i like to be alone (laughs) 
<laughs> so I could never. <laughs> oh, wow. So how many husbands does she have currently besides that first one? Currently, she had two. Okay. And she was bringing on a third. And then by the end of the show, you know, where they do like the kind of like, where are they now? Mm-hmm. She was up to five. Damn, she got two more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, What was I going to say? Uh, Oh, is are all the relationships sexless or just the first husband? Just the first husband. The Damn. first, the other two, that was kind of the drama is that her like middle husband was going to be upset with her bringing on a third person because he was like my time with her and essentially our sex life is going to be decreased it's interesting that a lot of you see in all the couples that men come into these situations being fine being the second husband Mm -hmm. but they don't like being the third (laughs) Mm. they like to be the primary essentially well i thought the first husband would have been more mad because they they have no sex what's he doing and that's that's the part of this that I don't get. And it's like, I just, I find it so hard to believe that these men are not sleeping with other people outside of their wives. And they're just allowing yeah. their wives to do this. Like, there's got to be something on. You're either sleeping with other women, other men. <laughs> you can't all be asexual, right? <laughs> I was just about to say, like, unless he's asexual, like, I just can't imagine... Like, I can see, like, maybe, like, you know, if you're splitting your time, maybe that would work. But if you're not, like, doing it at all, like, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Float your boat. You like it, I love it, girl. (laughs) Right. Do you? (laughs) Um, what other shows? Uh, As always, Drag Race All-Stars is going on right now. I'm watching it. Did you see this past episode? well yeah did you see i said it in the group chat i was like let oh, me no. know when y'all watch oh uh, no i haven't seen it yet okay well spoiler if you have not watched it i am so sad about heidi leaving <sighs> yeah but it's been a build-up like she literally said i'm leaving like two episodes <laughs> <laughs> before that <laughs> she did i just i feel like there's like something yeah, I was talking to somebody about this. Like, maybe she's like still like grieving her grandmother, or something else is going on. Like, but yeah, I was just, ugh, I was like, Heidi was my number one. So, well, I think it's also it's hard to come off of your season where you were known for being like the super talented but unpolished queen mm-hmm. to go on tour to become like a fan favorite. Uh, be successful in your own right with podcasts, touring, whatever. And then to come to this show, come back with a nice, pretty coin, ready to show and present yourself as like a polished queen. And then for not that not to be recognized, I could understand how that could be just like mentally hard to handle because there were a couple of challenges where I felt like Heidi should have been in the top. And... <laughs> That strawberry outfit when they did the fruit, nature's fruit or whatever. Mm -hmm. I love that strawberry outfit. And I think, yeah, she was just like safe. Yeah. And she did really well in the challenge that week. Um, I forget. Oh, that was the, I think that was the acting challenge week, right? Where they had to do the sitcom. 
yeah either the sitcom or like the news reporter or like something mm-hmm. where she did a good job yeah and was safe so i can i can understand why mentally she could feel like you know i'm tired of being defined by this show and the judges and the people in this competition not like seeing what i'm bringing i get more love outside of here mm-hmm. and then i don't know that whole like friendship breakdown between i'm just Her like candy. alexis alexis what are you doing ma'am like you're you're i feel like they should have been mad at alexis but everyone was mad at heidi for some reason mm-hmm. like it was very misdirected anger <laughs> in my opinion well, wait why mad at because wasn't alexis just like oh i heard it and then she was like oh wait i did not hear that right yes like she she heidi was like i heard it from alexis alexis was like yeah i didn't say that <laughs> and then it no, was like no 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 i think heidi was like alexis you heard it too i don't think she said I, you, I heard it from alexis i think she was like alexis you heard candy say it that's what i heard oh i thought she said she heard heard i thought she said she heard that from alexis no i think alexis overheard candy say that yes i think alexis just overheard candy but you're saying heidi also heard candy. but sorry sorry like alexis heard when candy said it to heidi i don't think alexis told heidi that got it but either way alexis was a part of it or i don't know i just felt like alexis got off scot-free and Mm. it seemed like she should have caught way more smoke (laughs) Mm. because from my perspective i thought it all centered around alexis alexis told heidi heidi told jimbo so yeah definitely definitely sad that heidi is gone honestly this season has been a little lackluster in my opinion yeah I mean, it's it seems very clear to me that Jimbo, even though she can't lip sync for shit, is probably going to win <laughs> right. this season. Um, since she didn't win uh, UK or Canada. Canada versus the world. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I'm I'm happy about James Man's Fields glow up, and mm-hmm. uh, I wish La La Ree would step up her pussy just a smidge but i am proud that she's doing well <laughs> yeah. and the acting challenges specifically mm-hmm. but yeah i think i mean i'm watching a lot of other things summer house uh, oh wait sorry movie. before you leave drag race uh-huh i was just gonna say so yeah i think now la la re is now my favorite i don't really i don't think she's gonna win but she's my favorite with Snatch Game, I was going to ask what you thought about that because I feel like maybe it was James's to win. But then when Jimbo got up and did that dance, <laughs> I think because I, I lost it. Like that shit was so fucking funny. I think that's like, we'll put Jimbo over the edge. But Kahana kept saying, if Heidi wouldn't have left, I think it would have been Heidi and I in the bottom two. Yeah. I was like, where? delusional ma'am right where were you I getting was, that from i was like the three <laughs> worst or i would say lowest performing were kahana hands down and then i think jessica and candy i think those would have been like the bottom three who else was in the james group well kahana is kahana james heidi was and there jessica. A fourth? oh and jessica, jessica. Mm-hmm. yeah i'm 
Yeah, definitely. I I yeah. thought Heidi and Jimbo would have been the top. Honestly. Yeah. Oh, you think Heidi and Jimbo over James? I thought Heidi was funnier than James, but yeah, maybe not. I I didn't. I, mean, I feel like James was fine. You know, yeah. like she, she didn't do anything that like Jimbo did, where it was like, okay, this bitch is winning. <laughs> <laughs> you right. know. It's yours. I think, have it. <laughs> to me, I feel like Heidi and James were kind of equal for me, and I was I was glad to see because I was just kind of like, what is James like bringing anything? So I was glad <laughs> that she did so well. I'm just we're gonna get off a of drag race, but I was just like this season. I just I'm not a fan of the like that like 1950s 60s cosplay, and I was mm. like, oh my god, we have like her, uh, with Mrs. Kasha Davis. <laughs> Yeah. And Darian like I mean Darian like I feel like updated it a little bit for all stars but I just like the whole like oh I'm gonna go home to my husband and make a martini like I don't care like it's just <laughs> I'm so over it and like James Mansfield is you know got his name or her name from uh Jane, Jane. Mansfield who was right. a bad bitch and I'm like Jane Mansfield was not boring like you know step it up but <laughs> whatever maybe that's just me like james and i think he pads the hell out of his body like he gives womana on that runway um that one what was it the caged runway where he had like the the beehive with the netting and he had of course he had a beehive i know it was very like of his era for Mm -hmm. his character but like to me james mansfield makes sense like mrs kasha davis like you don't have to be like a 1950s <laughs> housewife you know mm-hmm. like, you, you could be a housewife of any era <laughs> right right <laughs> so like it doesn't bother me with james okay but i can see how those three people being on the same season are kind of giving like the same beat could be it was a lot boring <laughs> yeah it was it was a lot for me yeah i don't feel like anyone's really giving fashion like Jimbo's definitely giving costume and concept. Yes. And fashionable, but it's still like not your typical, like, there's no like fashion girl, you know? Yeah. I will say, I think, I'm trying to think of all the outfits this week, this runway. I think maybe was Kahana's my favorite, my favorite, maybe. The what? Wait, this was like the naked one, like that, the ass one? Yeah, kind of like the big, like, carnival, like, kind of look. I mean, she's done a lot of like carnival, Vegasy looks. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, she looks stunning. Oh, sickening! Yes, looks amazing. Love it. But I'd love to see a gown. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the gown can have cutouts, but I just I would love to see Switch a little out. more variety from Kahana. Okay, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> want to see something new from you yeah give me more even though you've got a set amount of costumes that you brought i want to see something different (laughs) that's what i was like they they can't change what they brought i mean i guess maybe they could do like a urgent overnight order but otherwise pretty set in stone right like (laughs) half these bitches can't sew so (laughs) they're not gonna make something Okay, sorry. I'm about to leave Drag Race. I must have to say, Roger O'Hara was the lip sync assassin a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. I could not get over how beautiful she looked. Oh my gosh. Like, just stunning. Oh, I don't remember. Like, exactly. 
Okay, I guess you weren't blown away. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. Uh, I was surprised by Jasmine Kennedy's glow up. Oh, Chanel. Yes. Chanel looked like life has been hard <laughs> since Drag Race. <laughs> oh my I'm God. sorry. She wasn't cinched. She was giving hog body. The costume oh, shit. was like a little ill-fitting. And like usually Chanel was like that girl who was like well- put together yeah. and i don't know just something about her was just given like divorcee I, was <laughs> there. I don't know there's that wig i, I just divorcee. don't know <laughs> it seemed I, like life got the best of her a little bit i have to go back and look at like some of her before it's been so long since i watched season one like i feel like the only people i like can picture their faces in my mind are like uh bb and nina like <laughs> I like I remember Chanel's name, but like I don't remember anything about her. Mm. She was the bitch of the season. Ah, show show girl, okay. tired ass show girl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Those kind of vibes. She was basically like Kahana before mm. Kahana. Like she was very okay. Vegas costume, naked, all that. Ah, okay. I got you. I got you. I have to go back and watch like some lip syncs or something from season one. I was very happy for Jasmine Kennedy because, you know, I feel like they were too hard on her during her season. So I'm glad. I mean, she finally looked her age when she was in her season. She always looked so much older. Like, why are you Mm -hmm. like 20 years old and painting like 45? Right. (laughs) Because they would always be trying to get her to shut up, which I, I felt bad for her, but yeah this is your moment have it (laughs) (laughs) oh man i I cut you off you're about to talk about summer summer house oh i have been watching (laughs) i have never been into summer house but i said let's support (laughs) the black version of this and it is terrible and awful but i'm still tuning in i don't know why there's not a single likable character. I hate all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I said the exact same thing to my mom. I was like, I hate all of these people. <laughs> and it's like, they keep kicking people out for like some ridiculous reason. Some, they're terrible people, so they deserve to be kicked yeah, out. Yeah, that, that guy, what, Phil or whatever, oh, he, need, he had to go. He had to fucking go. Phil. But Phil definitely would have given great tv like i i kind of wish we had just a couple more episodes before kicking (laughs) would have been great drama the men are just blah like uh, they're just they're lame what do you think about amir i think amir is so adorable amir is the only like likable person honestly (laughs) actually yet Amir and Milo, my favorites. <laughs> the, dog. the dog. Milo is so cute, and I hate that he was hated for the first like two episodes. Catches strays just like Jasmine Kennedy. <laughs> oh, so precious. But you're right. I do like Amir. Yeah, everyone else. I'm just like even Jordan. I'm like she gives regular black girl to me. Like she's pretty. But, like, she's not, I guess, I don't know. I feel like it's more, like, the playboy is the allure to her. Mm-hmm. Like, she's pretty girl, but she's not, like, ooh, you know? And I feel like they all treat her like she is, 
I don't know, Halle Berry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do feel like all of the women there, like, equally is pretty. Yeah. But, yeah, and I, I think probably part of it is, like, Jordan's, like, I don't give a fuck attitude, maybe. Because I will say, like, I think her and Amir are my favorite two people. So I do kind of, like, I kind of, like, ship them a little bit. Like, if they <laughs> start to date, I think that would be really cute. But I really like how Jordan, like, even, like, when she was talking to Phil and she was trying to, like, talk to him about what was going on and she started going off because she was like i don't like when dudes like try to intimidate me just because i'm a woman which was exactly that's what that's exactly what he was trying to do and then like and when they were talking about jasmine and silas uh or silas being upset about jasmine going out at like 2 a.m or whatever in new york with jordan mm-hmm. and jordan was like does she have a curfew and I was like, thank you, because that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, she's not going out hooking up with people. They're going out to clubs. Like, this is a grown woman. Like, you don't get to, like, what's the big deal if she's out late? You know, like, yeah, she does seem the most, I guess, real mm-hmm. or based in reality. Because when <laughs> Jasmine was asking them prompt questions at dinner, she was like, I'd really love to have a like, natural <laughs> conversation without a prompt. <laughs> I, w- hands down, I Jasmine is the one I cannot stand the most. Oh, um, Jesus. Which, and also, I mean, I know you got married a couple weeks ago. Congratulations, but no one has ever been <laughs> as married as Jasmine <laughs> and Silas. <laughs> like, whatever everybody else is trying to do, it's cute, but they are the first people to ever truly be married. <laughs> right like they are the model okay right (laughs) (laughs) they are the blueprint um i also don't think summer house is the best place for you to be like only three or four months into your marriage (laughs) after not really knowing each other and being around each other like this is a recipe for divorce or an annulment (laughs) right because like didn't they meet like during the pandemic and then they were long distance or something like it this seems very rushed yes like he went to boot camp or something and yeah then they got married after that like y'all don't really know each other yeah and and she said something like sometimes like when he says stuff or we get into it and she's just like oh my god i'm gonna have to do this for decades i'm like yeah girl that's marriage like (laughs) yes yeah yeah and like how old are they like late 20s like 28 26 uh no i think she's like i think they're like 30 i think oh okay yeah what do you think about your boy nick and his secret girlfriend nick is so lame like you're (laughs) so lame he's so whack so lame like you clearly were trying to see who would bite by mm-hmm. hopping in everybody's DMs, and you would have very quickly left that girlfriend in the dust if anybody had shown you interest. <laughs> right. So you're lame, you're whack. Alex was the one person who I was like, oh, he might be legit. He's whack too. Yeah, that's the namaste one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like him. Mr. Personal know. space. <laughs> right. I'm one with the earth, but I judge the hell out of everybody. <laughs> right exactly exactly so yeah it's i don't know why i'm watching it but i'm watching oh i'm i'm enjoying it <laughs> but i'm, I'm like say i'm shocked you said you were gonna watch no more after the first episode oh did, did sh- i did i say that? yes that's why i'm shocked you've kept up <laughs> i truly did not even remember i said that lying through my teeth because i've been tuned in every sunday <laughs> As soon as uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta go off, I'm like, what they talk about? (laughs) (laughs) 
well, that's enough. I feel like I've gone <laughs> on for like 30 minutes. What have you been watching other than this crap that I talk about? <laughs> also my fault, because I feel like I had a lot of interject because I was watching the same, except for the crudes. I was watching the same stuff. <laughs> So Real Housewives of New Jersey, which I mentioned before, obsessed with it. And they are like in their reunion season right now. So first of all, the season finale, no notes. It was fucking perfect. Did you watch it? No. Oh, my God. So Dolores had a party. Well, now she lives with her boyfriend, Paul. And Paul is Irish. So they had like an it's also like an Irish party, but really it was just like a 1920s party, which I don't know how that correlated. But so everybody came dressed in like 1920s clothes. And then um, basically there was like a rumor that like Melissa Gorga was like making out with some dude who wasn't her husband in the backseat of a car. Danielle, uh, one of the new cast members, decided that she had to tell Melissa for whatever reason. I don't know why she couldn't take her out to lunch, call her. She had to do it at this party in front of everyone. So this caused a ripple effect because Melissa was like, I already know. I've already heard that rumor. And me and my husband both like laughed at it. So then that causes her and Teresa to get into an argument. And then Danielle's fight with Margaret. Literally every cast member is fighting except for Dolores. It was the best shit I've ever seen in my life. Like it was like it physically was, fighting or yelling? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Arguing. Arguing. And then like Teresa's new husband, Louie, like he's... It, it's i don't know i've i really I got say, what's his story is he better than joe i don't know i think he treats her better but it really seems like he's trying to separate her from her brother like joe mm. did not get along with joe joe judice and i get along with joe gorga but i feel like louis is actively trying to like separate uh teresa from her family because mm. he even said like once we get married you never have to talk to them again damn right um and so he started going crazy and he was like i don't care baby i'm winning i'm winning we're winning and like if, and joe gorga was just like what the fuck is he talking about like even like joe like, like being a fucking hothead joe gorga was just like what's happening but it was fantastic i i highly recommend if you if you don't watch nothing else watch that fucking finale <laughs> okay. um, and then so uh they had like a little break week before the reunion and they did like Teresa gets married Mm -hmm. It was like a whole special about her wedding, which was cool. And it, I, I just really enjoy seeing like when the um, housewives from like different franchises like are in the same place. I just mm -hmm. very interesting. So who was there? So from New Jersey, Jen and Dolores, or Jennifer Aiden and Dolores were bridesmaids, and then uh, Danielle, Jackie, and Margaret were in attendance. Um, Joe and Melissa did not come, and I will say I side more with Joe and Melissa. But it was kind of fucked up because they um they posted they had some pool party or something the day of her wedding and they were like this is way better than a wedding and I was like okay that's that's very petty mm. um and then from Atlanta Cynthia Phaedra and Kenya were there and um I don't know if you remember but on the first season of Ultimate Girls Trip Kenya won a trip that she like gave to Teresa so her and Louie could go on it um so that was cool oh. she was there. From New York, Dorinda and Jill Zarin, Ashley from Potomac, Alexia from Miami, Chanel Ion from Dubai. <laughs> and randomly, uh, Lonnie Love was there. I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, okay. <yeah. laughs> 
So yes, yeah, so uh, obviously I'm also watching Real Housewives of Atlanta, which just started a few weeks ago. What you, this season is boring. Um, I thought I liked the first couple episodes. Like I feel like I feel like where we like four in, and then I feel like the last couple were kind of boring a little bit. But I think you know I think it'll it'll pick up. I just I, I feel like there's definitely gonna be some drama with Martell. So I think that's gonna. I mean, more than what's already happened. Hmm. I don't know. It's just weird watching Drew and her husband fake like their marriage is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing that they are getting a divorce and Marlo on this, um, I don't know, PR tour to be a better Monty. Right. Um, And then, I don't know, Candy and this, I don't know. It's like the friends of have to bring the drama but the friends of are like pretty uninteresting. <laughs> like this talking- Crystal, is that her name? Courtney, I think. Courtney. Ralph's cousin. Boring. Um, <laughs> why? Well, I was really shocked that like her like all to get off again like slash baby daddy is Bryce from Groove Theory. <laughs> I was like literally just talking about him to like my, I think my mom. And I was talking about I was like, yeah, he was like really handsome. Like he was in uh beauty, beauty shop or whatever, beauty salon. Yeah, beauty shop. And then he like popped up like a week later. Um, still, still looks pretty good to me. But yeah, I like the whole thing about like Courtney keeps like bobbing her head in my face, and I was just like, "What? Like this is okay." Yeah. I mean, I guess we all have our different triggers. So, it just seems like manufactured drama. Like it just doesn't seem like why would Candy at all care about this woman? saying that they know each other when they don't know each other and they both agree that they don't know each other but they're still mad at each other like, right. it doesn't, it doesn't make right. sense yeah i was like i don't think that's all right i would just be like oh that's weird and like keep it moving but, yeah yeah and like we've seen candy literally like do that in other seasons i just it just doesn't it just feels forced yeah so I love a good HBO limited series. Have you watched Love and Death with Elizabeth Olsen? No. Baby, start it today. It <laughs> is so fucking good. She plays uh Candy Montgomery, um, who is true story. Um, she was having an affair in late 70s, early 80s, and ended up killing the husband's wife. Or sorry, her affair. I don't know the male equivalent of mistress. Her male mistress is wife and i did not realize but my friend was telling me like if like on hulu a few months ago every time you opened up you would see jessica bill and like this really bad curly wig and it was like a show called candy okay you remember that no okay so i would i would just always see it when i opened hulu and so it's actually the same it's about the same person and so apparently what happened was like the hbo one was already in production when they found out about the hulu one Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I mean, between Jessica Bill and Elizabeth Olsen, I'm going to go for Elizabeth Olsen. It was also like a really bad wig on Jessica Bill. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's Elizabeth Olsen's Candy Montgomery and then Jesse Plemons plays the man she had the affair with. And yeah, it's, it's just, oh my God. Like she, like Candy is just such like a super corny, like suburban, like church mom and like, Elizabeth Olsen, like, I've never thought of her as corny, but, like, she plays this role to a fucking T. Like, she has this shit down. Like, I, I can't say enough good things about this show. Like, just watch it. Okay. 
And then I've been watching the other two. Have you been watching the? New I have season? been. I'm not loving it as much as the previous. Really? One. Yeah. Did you watch the one? Um, what's it? Uh, Carrie and Brooke go to an AIDS play. <laughs> oh, that like went on for like days, <laughs> like five nights. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, I'm enjoying uh this season. And then I watched like randomly because I guess now like now that HBO Max is Max, they have like uh Discovery Plus or mm-hmm. like TLC shows. So like House of Hammer, the docu series, like popped up. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll I'll watch like, that. MC Hammer. No. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> got MC Hammer and like Oaktown 357. Um, <laughs> it's about Army Hammer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's the only hammer I know. I don't know what about Army. <laughs> hammer to hurdle. So, yeah, like I knew, like obviously there have been some like like assault or sexual assault like allegations but i didn't really know like exactly what had happened but they have like a woman like who was one of like his victims on there and then there was another woman who had been talking to but like the allegations came out before they could meet so she was like this probably like saved me but i mean it's like i mean i will say like it's very disturbing like some of the things that happened um, he's like drinking people's blood or something crazy yeah so well he was like he kept claiming he was in the bdsm but then they had like bdsm experts and stuff on there who were like that's not like big part of bdsm is like consent and what he was doing was not being consented to and he was just like basically getting off on torturing people and so yeah and then the can because i heard the cannibalism thing but i didn't really know what that was about so he was telling um like there was like one woman and he was like trying to find like a doctor who would like take her ribs out. So, cause he was like, I'm going to take your ribs out and like grill them and eat them. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. It was, it's, it's really, really fucking out there. Why are wealthy um, people like this? <laughs> and so that was really interesting. Cause I heard like his great grandfather, his name is Armand Hammer. And like, he's the owner of like this big oil company. So like, you know, they had money but like his army's aunt wrote a tell-all book like years ago before the army stuff came out that was basically like you know these men in my family keep getting away with these like really terrible things and so she like comes up uh in the second part or the second it's only three episodes so she's in the second episode and she talks about like the stuff her grandfather was doing, the stuff her father was like beating up her mom, um, and then like some of the stuff like her brother was doing. And it's yeah, it's just basically like for generations, like they've been getting away with this stuff. And so some people are like they've been able, like it's even like I think her, it was her dad, Army's grandfather, I think like killed someone and was mm-hmm. able to like get away with it. so people think like maybe the money will be able to get these cases dropped but i can't really see him like getting cast in any like films or anything because like nobody like he was in like i think it's called death on the nile that came out right after these allegations and like it bombed so i don't think hollywood's gonna risk like casting him if nobody's gonna go see the film 
Mm. Um, you know, I don't know if it'll die down later, but I I don't see any way that he he can make a Hollywood comeback. You'd be surprised. <laughs> I, I, I think mean, he's yeah. just got to give it some time, but he could come back. Maybe, maybe. And I, I mean, just don't I guess- think he was in anything that like noteworthy for him for like people to want him. You know what I'm saying? Like if this were. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm blanking on who, but well, like a bigger Timothy like, Chalamet or something. Okay, yeah, yeah, like I could see them apologizing for Timothy and maybe bringing him back because he's been mm. in a lot of stuff and he's you know I guess a heartthrob. But Army, like, who was checking for him really like that? Yeah, I guess he he's was always like a like... supporting character, you know, not like the leading guy. Well, he was the lead in, I think, Lone Ranger and, like, the man and uncle, but they were saying, like, those both flopped, so, yeah. Yeah, never heard. Oh, the man from uncle. Not really, because the man from uncle, it was him, Henry Cavill, mm-hmm. and that other chick, so, eh, still, some, you know, sharing the spotlight, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, still, like, those two films flopped, so even with him, like, as a star, like, one of the co-stars, like, it's... I guess he still wasn't a big box office draw, but I mean, I I feel like even less now. Yeah. So I don't know, but uh, yeah. So it it was. I think it's it's a very interesting docu series, but just be prepared. Like the content in it is quite disturbing. Hmm. And yeah, that is it for me. All righty. Well, as always, we are on all of your favorite podcast listening platforms please check us out like subscribe listen tell a friend uh their eyes are watching tv uh we are also on all the different social media sites instagram facebook we are their eyes were watching tv and um, (laughs) on twitter Twitter, we are our show acronym right Oh God. T- it's been so long. T E W W T V podcast, I think is Twitter and TikTok. And then Facebook and Instagram where their eyes were watching TV. All right. Well And if you and- can't find us that way, it's the opposite of what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just find us anyway. <laughs> but um thank you for listening and tune in next time. Hopefully our next episode will be coming out soon. And we will be doing a recap of The Little Mermaid. So go see it. Go support uh, the young Miss Halle Bailey in her quest to be the ultimate Disney princess. <laughs> her quest. <laughs> it's a fight to the death. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you all so much for listening. And we will talk to you all soon. Goodbye. <laughs>